All right, let's jump in. We long for adventure. There's something I would say universal in us that we want, we crave, we desire, we have to have adventure. Uh, You give a person a mundane, predictable life, and I would say that subconsciously they seek something, something to counter it. It might be a hobby. It might be uh, vacations to exotic locations. Um, it might be uh, uh, other, other uh, leisure activities. Or it might be, unfortunately, something negative. It might be alcohol. It might be cutting. It might be drugs. But, but I think each of us, if, if we have this sort of predictable, mundane sort of life, that we'll seek anything to feel alive again, right? It's like we, we, we're wired for adventure. We need to have adventure. I like what musician Jamie Lynn once said, jobs fill your pockets, adventures fill your souls. I love that quote. Jobs fill your pockets, but adventures fill your souls. I want to start with a story um, from Outside Magazine that there was a literary critic that worked for Outside Magazine. Outside Magazine, uh, among other things, it gives stories and and, uh, books uh, that are reviewed about excursions, this, these adventurous excursions, and the actual literary critic for uh, Outside Magazine, that was his job for a number of years, that he would do reviews on these inc- incredible books that were written or, or, or guides that were uh, written about people who climbed the Himalayan peaks, for example, rode, rode a bicycle across Africa or sailed wooden boats across the Atlantic or tracked into restricted areas of China. And he writes this, These tales of adventure filled my days and my imagination, yet my own life was anything but adventurous. And it, 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 it did something. It created dissonance inside of him. And what, what happened is that after spending years of just simply reviewing and, and critiquing these adventures, he said, I'm going to get up, metaphorically, out of the chair of my life and begin experiencing some adventures. And He did. And he talked about now, obviously adventure can be, it can turn into an end of life, like it's it's like this thing, but adventure is a great means for living the life that God gave us. And each of us are wired for that. God gave you that sense, that wonder, uh, that desire for adventure. And I think a lot of us can can, uh, relate to those sentiments that of, of just kind of observing adventure from afar. Next April, I turned 50, and I made a resolve to do 50 things that push me out of my comfort zone. And one of them is skydiving, and I have a phobia of heights. And it scares me right now to even do it, but I'm going to do it. You guys got to hold me accountable, okay? Jump out of a plane, it's just like, my hands are starting to shake right now. (laughs) But 50 different things that are going to kind of push me out of my comfort zone and kind of bring some adventure in my life. And, and I think some of us, as we think about adventure, what might that be? And I think for us, uh, as we think about adventure, is to go off and do things that I think are going to bring qualitatively different differences for us. And there's an adventure waiting for you. And this adventure is serving God by serving people. And we've been in the sermon series the past couple of weeks, living beyond myself, because as we've talked about the, the, the Christ's life, the Christian life, is not about me, myself, and I, just living for myself. It's actually to live for other people, living beyond myself. And, and God calls us, Jesus called us, in this wonderful adventure of serving people. 
And I shared last week about me being tapped on the shoulder by Pastor Don. If you weren't here, please listen online. And he invited me to volunteer as a sophomore in college. And my life was planned. I was going to go to law school. And I had my whole life planned. He tapped me on the shoulder to volunteer. And I was like, I don't have time, you know. But I was struggling with it. And met Pastor Don is always smiling. He's the best shepherding pastor there is. And you can't say no to that guy. Even this day, I still see him. You just can't say no to him. He's just the nicest guy in the world. And, but for a few days, I wrestled with it, and I said yes. And it brought an adventure in my life. I had nine teenagers that I was a volunteer in my youth ministry, and they rocked my world. And that was an adventure for the last two years of my uh, uh, college years, to the point where actually God used that um, instrumentally to call me into ministry instead of law school. And I'm not saying you have to be a pastor, you have to do something like that, but that's what God did in my own life. There's an adventure waiting for us. There's an adventure. I get to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. This is a very important text, a paramount text for us as we think about serving. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. And if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with the slides behind me as well. It's uh, subtitled, The Sheep and Goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on the left. Now in the ancient world, right was the area, the, the, the um, location of preference. In other words, the right was the good place. The, the, the left hand, left side, was the bad place. And then also there's this sort of backdrop, and I could spend a good hour just talking about uh, the, the, the symbols of these animals, sheep and goats. It's everywhere throughout the scriptures. But sheep, obviously, were, were the, the sheep were the, the people of God. They're mentioned positively in a number of ways. But they're, they're a metaphor, a symbol of God's people. Goats, on the other hand, are, are looked down negatively. Uh, for example, in Leviticus, uh, the goat would take on, the scapegoat would take on the sins of the Israelite community every year. And oftentimes, the other, it would be a, choose, a choice between two goats. One would be chosen that would become the scapegoat, the Azazel in the Hebrew. The other goat was sent out into the wilderness. So goats were not good. And he's talking about the separation. By the way, it's one of only two times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that Jesus talks about judgment. This is a very important text, as I mentioned. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he gets into really some uh, specific things. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Okay. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And this is, you've got to catch this, this verse here. This is huge. The king will reply, truly I tell you, or in the King James Version I grew up with, verily, verily I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, what you did for me. So when we serve and we say yes to this adventure of serving, it is not only the adventure of serving, but actually that when we're serving somebody, we're actually serving Jesus Christ. 
So, so Jesus is there. So for example, if I were to serve Rick Gunnerson and, and Terry Gunnerson right here, if I were to serve them in some way, somehow Jesus mystically, mysteriously is involved in that act of service. Maybe I, I make them a great meal, best meal of your lives, right? And, and I serve them in some way, though, the text says that Jesus is present. Okay, that's not fiction. That's not, like, far-fetched. That's one of the beautiful aspects of serving. Whenever we serve people, no matter what it is, we're serving Jesus Christ. And as a result in your teaching notes, number one, serving grows you closer to Jesus because he's there. He's there. I've said this a number of times, whether it's serving or doing missions trips, for example, those will grow you more than 52 sermons in a year. I fully believe that. There is something special. And, and I'm not saying skip church, by the way. Uh, but it, that, that there's something that happens, some kind of dynamic that's hard to put in words. But Jesus Christ is present, and serving grows us closer to Christ. And what happens, too, as I, I serve Rick and Terry, and I serve others, that, that in, the, in, the, in the process of doing that, Christ is infusing his character in me. Okay? I love Bible studies. I love uh, having small group discussions. Community groups is a very important part of us as, as a church, and, and we do serving in, in our community groups as well. But you can do enough Bible studies, but you've got you to serve. Because it's not only learning, but it's actually participating and that's when the, the, the character of Christ is infused in us. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5, 24 through 25. Fruits of the Spirit. Those fruits begin to be infused in us as we serve other people because Christ is present. We grow closer through serving other people. It's one of the beautiful aspects of uh, the ministry when we do that. Absolutely incredible. That serving grows us closer to, to Jesus. In a book, in a book called Divine Appointments, uh, Pastor Irwin McManus, pastor of Mosaic Church um, out in Los Angeles, California, um, he writes this, that people in church, been around the church for a long time, they don't really do this on purpose. It's probably unintentional. But after a while, they become what he calls sideliners. They're no longer involved in, in, in service anymore for some reason. And he writes this, that a sideliner, sideliner is as an observer rather than a liver of life. Someone who is more of a spectator than a player. And he says those people um, are living vicariously rather than valiantly. And what he means is that they're living vicariously perhaps through TV shows, through other things in their lives. So for example, they find maybe their romance in Fifty Shades of Grey. But God forbid should they ever do something really passionate and to demonstrate their love for their spouse or somebody else. And then they fight their battles through fantasy proxies, he writes, like a Jack Ryan or the Black Widow. They're not on the playing field. They're not in, in, in the adventure. They admire and they applaud the great servants, the courageous heroes and spiritual superstars, but they don't get up out of the chair, writes McManus. And, and, and a person who is uh, taking advantage of the adventure of ministry is getting out of the chair and refraining 
and pushing away from this common phrase that pops in her head. Maybe when I, at some point, when I grow up or I get stronger spiritually, I, I might do that. I want to challenge you this morning. If you're not serving anywhere, step out there. Step out there. Because when I stepped out as a volunteer in youth ministry, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was an introvert. I was shy. I did not like speaking in front of people. In fact, I failed public speech in my sophomore year of high school because I refused. I did the first public speech, and I was sweating, and, and I almost uh, passed out, I think. And I had two more speeches to do, and I refused to do them. I got enough, so I failed public speech. And I think it's God's great humor that I'm, I'm standing up here this morning. Um, but I just threw myself out there continuously, and that God would be faithful, and he, and he has been. And sometimes you just got to throw yourself out there and not wait for like when I know all the verses and things like that. Next. Next. You are saved for serving. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. I want you to underline that phrase, serve one another in love. That you and I, you and I were saved for serving, not you and I were saved by serving. Okay, salvation, the whole, the beauty of salvation is, is not just the fact that, uh, you know, we have a place to go and thank God we go to heaven, but also that we're saved to serve others. We serve God by serving people. And that's what Paul's saying. And I think many people have this misconception that the people who really do ministry are the missionaries, the pastors, the, or the nuns, and other church leaders. But the Bible says clearly right here that all of us are called to serve God by serving others. Unfortunately, a small minority of people actually use their spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Or use their abilities. They use their personality to actually serve others in this church. And Jesus says in Mark 8.35, this is not your teaching notes, you may want to write this down. Jesus says, if you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. It's only those who, who give it up. Only those who sacrifice will actually find life and for the sake of the good news. So I want us to do right now something very different. I haven't done something like this in quite a while. This is more interactive. You have the shape assessment. I'd like to pull that out. And what we're going to do for the next 10 minutes or so is we're going to walk through this. And what I'm going to do, we're trying to get as far as we can here. Obviously, we're not going to be able to get through the whole thing. But if you haven't taken one of these before... Um, it's a really good assessment, and what we want to do, uh, Carrie Law and I are going to help you get connected to a ministry area. And at the end of my sermon and at the end of the service, we're going to actually ask you to uh, drop off in the basket, and we're going to try to get connected to, to a, a relevant or respective ministry, and then we'll mail them back if you didn't finish it, Okay. And if you need a pen, just raise your hand. We have ushers with pens. If you, need, uh, if you don't have an assessment, please raise your hand. But I want all of us to go through this, okay? Okay? All right. All right. We're awake. Okay. Now, spiritual gifts is a really cool thing. You see on the cover of your spiritual gifts assessment, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we ought to be aware of this thing called spiritual gifts. These aren't talents. These are not abilities. Now, God can take a talent and he can turn that into a spiritual gift. But it says in the Bible that if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're given at least one spiritual gift. You may have two, but you have a spiritual gift because God has shaped you for ministry. Let's turn to page three. We have a list of these. 
So, and this is a collection from the Bible. It's not all of them. For example, if you want to write in, there's a couple like tongues or interpretation. Those are valid gifts. Perhaps that's you and you have familiarity about that. Go ahead and write that off to the side. But I want you to check the circle there that best fits you in your mind or maybe you talk to your spouse and ask them. Administration, for example. Someone who organizes things effectively. Okay, I know for sure right away that's not my spiritual gift. Okay, but craftsmanship. So you, like, you like working with your hands. You like making things. John Alquist, he made, he made this pulpit. I would say John has a spiritual gift of craftsmanship. And he's done a variety of things. He helped Brian Schrader with the, the backdrop here. He's done a lot of things around our church. He has the gift of, of craftsmanship. Or evangelism. And you can look at the different uh, lines, the different phrases. And then there's exhortation and wisdom. Exhortation is another, another way of saying encouragement. Discernment. Giving. I know some people in this church where their spiritual gift, number one, is giving. And they love to give. And, and then th- what they tell me is, I really try to outgive God. But every time I give him my finances, he gives even more to me. It gives me a chance to even give more to the work of the ministry here at this church and other places. Hospitality. Maybe it's intercession. We have a few people, and in fact, they had breakfast yesterday over at Three Squares with a, with a couple, and she talked about her spiritual gift of inter- intercession. That might be you, intercession's prayer, or it's knowledge, or it's leadership. Maybe for you, it's mercy. We have some people who have this incredible spiritual gift of mercy. When I do congregational care calls, or if I go to the hospital with them, watching them in action with their gift of mercy, it's like, wow. Spiritual gifts are given to us as believers in Christ for the building up, the serving of others. Then we have music serving, shepherding, teaching, writing. So if any of these fit, go ahead and check the box. We're just taking take about two more more minutes as Holly's playing the piano for you to just kind of go through this. I'm not going to say anything more. Sometimes it's good to have silence, some space in a service. But go ahead and just read through these and check the appropriate uh, spiritual gift that you think best fits you. to the heart section and by the way if you're already ahead feel free to go into the next ones you don't have to wait for me but heart uh, these are our areas of passion everything from arts entertainment discipleship uh, maybe it's marriage maybe it's uh, men or women's ministries um, it might be racial reconciliation which is very needed be something I think God is calling our church towards uh, let me jump up, up one orphans it might be single family singles, sports or athletics. 
If it is sports and athletics, please next to it put purple and gold or marine and gold, okay? If, it, if it's green and gold, don't fill that out. Just kidding. Teenagers, theology, widows, women, worship, etc. And obviously this is not exhaustive. Maybe there's other areas of passion. Write those down. Let us know. But circle the top three. We'll just take a minute for that. move on to abilities. And everything from accounting, audio, video, coaching, mentoring, decorating, drama, graphic design, uh, landscaping, networking, and that's getting people connected together, uh, music performing, music writing, arranging, public speaking, research, uh, visual arts, if the, any of those apply, or perhaps there's other abilities that are me- not mentioned on here, go ahead and list those too. So I'm going to give you an opportunity, perhaps during the offering, you can fill out the personality, which is the Myers-Briggs, a very uh, brief uh, description of the Myers-Briggs, and maybe you already know yours, you can just fill that in, and then also your experiences. And uh, even if you don't fill it out and are not able to get it done, please place it in the basket, and at the back page, put down your name and email or phone number, and Carrie and I are going to get connected to you and help you find a ministry in this church. And then we'll mail them back to you. Okay? And no one else is going to see these. But you, I promise to you, if you fill these out, we'll make sure that it gets back to you, if, especially for those who aren't, don't have a chance to fill it out. Okay? Sound good? Sound good? Good. I have the ability to, for breakdancing, but we have no breakdance break ministry, so I'm not sure what to do with that ability. That was a joke. Anyways, <laughs> five people laughed. That's good. All right. Let me, uh, let me pray for us. And, and as we've been talking about from Job chapter 10, verse 8, that God has shaped us and formed us. And he has shaped you, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experiences, to serve God by serving people. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together, Lord. And I pray for our congregation, people that are here, and maybe they're here for the first time, and for them, they're, they're coming across this assessment, or maybe those have been coming for a while, that this is brand new stuff. I pray that you would guide them. And we look forward next week to the ministry fair, that for folks that fill this out would take a step out of their comfort zone to say, yes, um, I, I don't want to be a consumer. Um, I want to be a person who contributes. I want to get on the playing field. I don't want to be a sideliner. 
And God, we do this not for Maple Grove Covenant Church per se, but we do it for your glory. We do it to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said?